The KXAN News Podcast is sponsored by Shelf Genie. Now at five, a significant decrease in violent crime. For two weeks now, DPS has been patrolling in Austin, and APD says it's making a real difference. We've got some of the data. And just in what the Supreme Court has decided ahead of a midnight deadline for new abortion pill restrictions. We've got a very low severe weather threat near or south of our area here tonight. We'll track tonight's storm chances and a few more for tomorrow. Memes, social media posts, and text messages. That's the evidence Travis County prosecutors will use in the sentencing phase for Daniel Perry. Thanks for joining us. I'm Daniel Marine. Last week, a jury found Perry guilty of murdering Garrett Foster, an armed Black Lives Matter protester in downtown Austin. A day later, Governor Greg Abbott said he would sign a pardon recommendation for Perry and instructed the Texas Board of Pardons and Paroles to expedite a review of the case. KXN investigator Mike Rush details what's in the new Newly unsealed documents. It's a really impressive filing. 76 pages of evidence prosecutors intend to introduce during the punishment phase. They document Daniel Perry's social media posts and messages with friends and family. Dozens of them in the weeks and months leading up to the death of Garrett Foster talked about protests, the Black Lives Matter movement, and guns and violence. In messages between Perry and friends talking about buying ammo or extra rounds, the documents show Perry wrote, quote, I might go to Dallas to shoot looters, end quote. Other conversations with friends, some brought up during the trial, are about cases of violence related to protests in other parts of the country. A former Travis County prosecutor at the DA's office, now defense attorney, says these documents are showing something that may not otherwise get highlighted. I think that anytime your own words can be used to show your thoughts and your impressions, your ideas of what's going on in your head, that is stuff that's not readily available to a fact finder. The document details many memes about protests and protesters being shot or run over. For it to be unsealed tells me that the court and maybe even the parties were concerned about this document being available to the public and possibly tainting the jury pool. The documents also highlight Perry's Google searches, including topics like protest in Austin today, unarmed black men killed by police, degrees of murder charges, and does the federal government have the ballistics of every firearm sold legally? Other discussions with someone on Facebook talk about justification for self-defense, pointing to specific cases in other parts of the country. In one of those, Perry wrote, it matters not what the law is, what matters is how much money you can spend on a lawyer and the jury. There is much more in these unsealed documents, things that we will not say on television, but that are available for you to read at KXAN.com. And one more note, a judge has not yet set a sentencing date. All right, Mike, thank you very much. More troopers, less crime. The Austin Police Department calls its partnership with the Department of Public Safety a success so far. Chief Joseph Chacon provided an update this afternoon. KXN's Brianna Hollis was there. She joins us live. Bree, what did we learn? So, Since this launched two weeks ago, more heavily patrolling, violent crime is down nearly 60%. Some examples of violent crime include aggravated assault and robbery, APD, troopers to certain areas.
You know, we're going to work on Brianna's microphone, and we'll get back to that in just a moment. Well, the U.S. Supreme Court right now is temporarily blocking new restrictions on mifepristone, an abortion drug, while it takes more time to fully consider the issue raised in a court challenge. Now, those restrictions would include no longer making it available by mail and would have taken effect at midnight. This is an administrative stay. Both sides now have until Tuesday to weigh in before the court makes another decision. Right, well, the Justice Department is charging 28 members of Mexico's powerful Sinaloa drug cartel in a sprawling fentanyl trafficking investigation. Among those charged are three of the sons of notorious drug lord Joaquin El Chapo Guzman. The Sinaloa cartel is largely responsible for the surge of fentanyl into the United States over the last eight years. Others charged include Chinese and Guatemalan citizens accused of supplying chemicals required to make fentanyl. Only one of El Chapo's sons is in custody in Mexico. Eight of the other suspects have been arrested around the world. First warning weather with meteorologist Nick Bannon. Well, we had a lot of clouds a lot of the day, especially in the metro and our eastern counties, but we're getting some late day sun in the metro and that is spreading to the east as well, even though more clouds are coming in to the hill country as we speak. One thing we're going to be watching out for tonight, some storms and showers gradually developing Mex in Mexico. These are going to be tracking northeastward and could clip parts of central Texas tonight, although most of you stay dry. Temperatures in the 70s where the clouds hung on the longest, 80s and even low 90s where the sun was out at the earliest here today. Looking at our forecast as we take into this evening, you see we stay dry here at 7. Really rain chances are not that high tonight, but they do rise 10% chance of a storm or shower at 9. That rises to 20% at 10. The farther south you are, the higher the chance you get a little storm or shower here late tonight. So we'll time out the storm and shower risk as well as the potential for a couple more here tomorrow. We'll show you a temperature jump before the numbers fall and some wet weather for next week. All right, Nick, thank you very much. The Massachusetts Air National Guardsman accused of leaking a trove of classified government documents online made his first appearance in a Boston federal court today. The latest now from Alice Barr. Growing calls for answers today after the 21-year-old Air National Guardsman accused of leaking hundreds of classified documents made his first court appearance in Boston. Jack Teixeira, who was arrested yesterday at his home in Massachusetts, is now charged with possessing classified documents pertaining to national security and national defense materials. The charges under the Espionage Act carry up to 10 years in prison per violation. We intend to, to send that message, uh, how important it is uh, to our national security. Family members in attendance to show their support. Teixeira is accused of sharing sensitive military secrets, including about the war in Ukraine, with a group of friends on a social media gaming platform. Someone in the group then allegedly started posting the documents publicly. Even if he only intended to share this with his small group of friends, um, they alone are unauthorized to receive this information. The Washington Post spoke with an anonymous member of that chat room. I don't think that there was a goal nor some sort of accomplishment that he was looking for in sharing these documents. Of course, there's some 
anti-government sentiment. One of the most significant reported revelations, the Pentagon appears to have doubts about Ukraine's strength as the war drags on. Lawmakers in both parties demanding answers about the safeguards for top secret information. The idea that he would have access to such a broad array of information and be able to uh, exit a building with it is absolutely outrageous to me. Teixeira, who was recently promoted to Airman First Class, worked in IT in the intelligence wing. Court documents show he feared federal authorities were on to him days before his arrest and searched the word leak on his government computer. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News. The big fine just ahead, how much the NBA is charging the Dallas Mavericks for sitting players to lose on purpose. Plus, don't feel like cooking tonight? Why some food delivery customers wonder if the convenience is worth the mystery. What to know about ghost kitchens? And the music of the night about to end. Phantom fans in mourning. What Andrew Lloyd Webber is saying about the closing of Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. The NBA fined the Dallas Mavericks $750,000 today. It accuses them of sitting key players during an elimination game to improve their chances in next month's draft lottery. Uh, the NBA says the Mavericks engaged in, quote, conduct detrimental to the league by sitting out most of its key players against the Chicago Bulls on April 7th, despite still having a chance to reach the postseason. The league's investigation found that Dallas wanted to lose the game to the Bulls in order to improve their chances of keeping their first-round pick in the 2023 NBA draft. The Mavericks lost to the Bulls by three points, and they are likely to land the 10th pick in the draft lottery. Well, for 35 years and almost 14,000 shows, Phantom of the Opera has been a phenomenon. But this Sunday, the famous chandelier crashes down, the curtain falls, and the music of the night goes silent. Increasing production costs and lower ticket sales are behind the show's closure on Broadway. Lester Holt spoke with composer Andrew Lloyd Webber to find out how he feels about the end of this musical era. Is it your best work? I think it's very, very rare in a musical, very, very rare, for all of the ingredients to come together in the same way that Phantom did. The production, the lighting, the choreography, um, it, it, it doesn't happen very often. Now, Phantom will continue to play in London. Ahead on NBC Nightly News, what's next for Weber, who recently lost his son to cancer days before his newest musical, Bad Cinderella, opened. A pollen check for you this evening. Grass, medium and rising, mold, medium and lowering. We also have ash and mulberry as low, oak, willow and sycamore as low. But our temperatures are trending high as we head into the weekend. We'll show you how briefly we stay in the 90s in first warning weather. This KXAN News Podcast is brought to you by Shelf Genie. I'm Rosie Newberry from KXAN Studio 512. Considering replacing your kitchen cabinets? Struggling to find or reach things? Go to shelfgenie.com slash Austin. Shelf Genie designs custom pull-out shelves for your existing cabinets, adding convenience and value to the most used room in your home. Shelf Genie custom pull-out shelves, everything in reach. Returning to one of our top stories, the Austin Police Department calls its partnership with the Department of Public Safety a success so far. Chief Joseph Chacon provided an update this afternoon. KXN's Brianna Hollis was there. She joins us live. Bree, what did we learn? 
Hey, Daniel, sorry about those technical difficulties earlier. So APD says violent crime across the city as a whole has dropped 25% since this initiative launched two weeks ago. And in areas where DPS is more heavily patrolling, violent crime is down nearly 60%. Some examples of violent crime, aggravated assault, murder, sex assault, and robbery. APD says it deployed troopers to certain areas based on the number of 911 calls for violent crimes. And we asked Chief Joseph Jacone about concerns community members brought to us about this. What is your response to people who do have concerns that they may be unfairly targeted with traffic stops in certain neighborhoods? So I think that it's important to remember that we are not looking at specific areas of town based on what demographics in that area of town might might actually look like but rather where are the calls for emergency you know assistance coming in over time what i expect to happen is that you will see dps actually move as we displace crime that happens in certain parts of town to other parts of town well then we will move and we're always going to let the data guide us We also asked DPS directly about these concerns from the community. The agency says it, quote, encourages anyone with such criticisms to learn more about DPS's motto, mission, vision, values, and goals, which according to the agency's website include integrity, excellence, accountability, and teamwork. And tonight at 6, we'll address how DPS is monitoring roads in town with the most crashes. Daniel. All right, Brianna, thank you very much. Well, it's Friday evening. Maybe you're thinking about ordering some food delivery online. You know it can be hit or miss. And as Valerie Costa reports, the rising trends of virtual restaurants and ghost kitchens have many wondering whether they're really good for efficiency and food startups. Last month, Ryan Benson had a late night craving and picked up a delivery app to place an order. I thought maybe this was like some kind of like artisan grilled cheese place. I was like, oh, I'll try it. But Benson soon learned his order from the Meltdown was not the small artisanal restaurant he thought it was. The Meltdown turned out to be a virtual restaurant. I feel like I've been catfished by Denny's. They put on like a fake profile where they were the Meltdown. And it was really just some chef in a Denny's like making my food. It's all owned by the corporate diner chain, that online menu only available through the apps. A Denny's spokesperson says the company prioritized transparency, pointing out the connection is disclosed on the Meltdown's website. Ghost kitchens and virtual restaurants became a way for small businesses like food trucks to expand their reach, but some say it's gotten out of control. I think a lot of it, um, with with anything in business, I feel like it totally got oversaturated for a minute there. Kyle Hollenbach with BLT Kitchens in Arizona says his ghost kitchens provide the space for a business to test out a menu without the cost of investing in a full-blown restaurant, becoming a virtual presence instead. And they're able to roll out uh, a concept or several concepts. Usually most of them are doing multiple concepts. So, for example, one person or two people might be cooking five different uh, restaurants on the Uber Eats and DoorDash kind of platforms. Since 2021, the number of virtual restaurants listed on Uber Eats has quadrupled in the U.S. and Canada. In Nashville, 31% of restaurant listings were for virtual restaurants, according to a recent analysis of Uber Eats listings. Consumers are choosing platforms before they choose restaurants. And so if you don't exist in all the relevant places where consumers are searching, uh, you might as well not exist. But with seemingly no limits as to how many rebrands or personas a virtual restaurant can take on, it's the customer who can feel duped. In a way, it makes it harder to know 
where is this food coming from? Do I trust who it's actually coming from? Are they being honest about everything else? In this world, you can simply shut that listing down and start a new one, and no one would be the wiser. Delivery companies like Uber Eats and DoorDash are cracking down. Uber Eats guidelines say a virtual restaurant menu must be differentiated from its associated brick-and-mortar menu with at least five distinct main dishes that cannot be found on your brick-and-mortar menu. DoorDash saying, quote, virtual restaurants are labeled and customers can access details about the physical location of the kitchen. First warning weather with meteorologist Nick Bannon. I got a bit of sunshine out there now. Clouds are going to be thickening up temporarily here uh, over the next few hours, though, as we're watching some storms and showers developing uh, over the border into Mexico. Those are coming our way or at least into Texas. Most should stay south of us later this evening, but as you can see by one of our higher resolution computer models, as we get after about 10 o'clock or so, some of these may actually get very close to us here in our KXAN viewing area, clipping areas largely south and southeast of Austin, potentially with a storm or two. As you can see, these move out by about two in the morning and then low clouds move back in as we start your Saturday. May not be the brightest start to the day for some of us. Some start with sun, but Many in the metro start gray, but I think by late morning the sun is out and then tomorrow afternoon looks gorgeous with a lot of sunshine. One thing we're going to be watching out for tomorrow, another small storm chance beginning, say, late afternoon or early evening, mostly for our eastern counties. And this isolated storm threat continues well into the evening. This is 930 tomorrow night, but I really think most of us stay dry here tomorrow, too. The severe weather risk for late this evening is just south of Austin, uh, affecting southern sections of Blanco, most of Hayes, southern Travis, Bastrop, Caldwell, Fayette counties. Uh, and that's with a one out of five severe weather threat. If we did get a severe weather storm tonight, concern would be for large hail and damaging winds. Our severe weather risk tomorrow, mostly for the late afternoon and evening, pivots to the east, affecting eastern sections of our eastern counties with a one out of five severe weather risk as well. That being said, we're only going to go with a 20% storm chance here tonight, favoring areas to the south and an overnight low of 68. So it'll be a warm night tonight. Low clouds, areas of fog develop after the storm threat subsides. Our day tomorrow starts with the clouds, but then it's a sun cloud mix already at noon, 79. And look, we go with a high of 93 tomorrow, but there is that late day isolated 10% storm chance for our eastern counties. Your Sunday looks gorgeous. Starts a bit cool, but for the capital 10K, that's kind of what you want, right? 57 with sunshine at 7, 61 at 9, and 67 at 11. Eventually, temperatures getting into the 70s later in the day. Rain chances have increased for next week, especially Tuesday, but even Thursday and Friday has decent rain chances. One of our computer models gives us several inches of rain, especially for our eastern counties. Unfortunately, where we need the rain the most, looks to be the area we see the least of it. And I'm talking about the Hill Country. Still, the rainfall projections are going to wobble around quite a bit between now and the wet weather pattern that sets in for next week. Look at our first warning weather seven-day forecast. Then 93 tomorrow is near the record high of 94. But then a cold front drops us to 77 for Sunday with less humidity too. Monday, sunshine and 80. And then potentially three or four days next week with some showers and storms. Well, just ahead, the woman who spent 500 days underground in a cave on purpose. A Spanish mountaineer and extreme athlete has emerged after spending 500 days living in a cave. 
50-year-old Beatriz Flamini lived 200 feet below ground with no contact with the outside world. Her experience was closely monitored by scientists seeking to learn more about the capacities of the human mind and circadian rhythms. But they never made contact with her. Flamini missed the start of the Ukraine war and the death of England's Queen Elizabeth. She spent her time underground doing exercises to keep her fit and busy, painting and drawing, and knitting woolly hats. She also took two GoPro cameras to document her time. She also read 60 books and drank 1,000 liters of water. Well, no reruns tonight on KXAN. You can enjoy Lopez versus Lopez at 7, and then Grand Crew at 7.30 before an all-new episode of Dateline NBC at 8, and it's a Texas case. Thanks for listening to KXAN News Nightly. You can also listen to KXAN News Today every morning for more in-depth coverage of what matters most to you.